Good morning and welcome to the podcast of Faith Mountain Ministries. And if you're listening to this in real time on the radio on Sunday morning, you're going to want to, if you're close to Bemidji, Minnesota, hopefully tune in to River City Church online, catch what we're doing this morning live. Or if you happen to be near Bemidji, and I can't imagine how many of you listening to this would be near Bemidji, Minnesota on a Sunday morning, but you may be. We're at River City Church this morning at 10 a.m. So if you're in the neighborhood, stop on by. Oh, we'd love to see. I tell you what, there's so many good things that happen when you actually get in a room with people who have an affection and a fascination with Jesus. An awareness that that God not just exists, but he has a name. And his name is Jesus. And Jesus isn't somebody we're chasing after like somebody is trying to get away from us. But we pursue because he has pursued us. It's a mutual apprehension of union that has gripped us and embraced us. And we live with this amazing, blissful awareness that the God of the universe has done more than enough to save us single-handedly and to return us to our origin, who he's always known us to be and to present us blameless spirit, soul, and body before him in love. And he purposed to do this from the foundation of the earth. The design of God in creating a workmanship of humanity made in his image and likeness goes beyond the bounds of of the English language. I wish there was a language out there that could describe it. Probably not the tongue of men, it's the tongue of angels. It can most certainly and accurately and with the greatest level of clarity uh, describe the reality of what God has created, wrought with his hands, purposed in his heart, imagined in his mind, that he knows the end from the beginning is a biblical reality, that we live in the mysterious middle is a confounding mystery. And here we are in this beautiful, beautiful world that we live in, filled with all of its wonder and joy and pain and pleasure and whatever you happen to be experiencing right now, if it's brought up questions for you, I got news and that is that Jesus is absolutely, definitively, and most assuredly the answer. Let's just take some time and just spend a little little bit in prayer here this morning and invite the Lord to be present and speak into these moments and these words. Jesus, I thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit of God resting, residing upon and within us. Lord, with your Spirit upon us right now, would you release the sound of heaven into our lives? that the frequency of your world in which there's no discordant disunity, it's, it's harmonious and healing. Father, would that today penetrate every heart, every life, touch every circumstance with the light of, of the gospel. And Lord, today, if there's any that are listening who have a, a need in their body today, May they prosper and be in health even as their soul prospers, as their mind is renewed, as their their emotions are healed, as their decisions are made with your guidance. Lord, may their bodies become a recipient of the life-giving power that, that flowed in the resurrection. For Lord, the same spirit that raised you from the dead dwells in 
us now. So you ought to speak life, healing, wholeness, refreshing, rejuvenation to every person that's listening today. Lord, may that life and healing and wholeness flow to every cell in our being. God, may we arise today with an awareness of your goodness. May we grow into the maturity of childlikeness. May we step into the reality that you have known us before we knew ourselves. So Lord, introduce us to the true identity that, that you placed in us that we, we are just getting to know. Introduce us to, to ourselves in you. God, may we know who we are in you. And may we never, never regard ourselves as apart from you again. Lord, may today be a day of a revelation of no distance, no separation. And I thank you, Lord, that when you said it is finished, that that veil, that curtain from the, from the top to the bottom tore, allowing us to be the holy of holies. So God, I pray today that, to, that we would become aware of the truth of that identity, that sin would lose its attraction in our lives. God, that all sense of distance, separation, individuality, that, that severs our, our connection to you in our own foolish minds would be completely dissolved and diluted into nothingness. And may we rest in the embrace of your heart. Thank you, Jesus, for your love, your grace, your saving grace in our lives. Thank you for the blood, the blood of the new covenant the Christic covenant, your covenant with the Father, Jesus, that has invited us into a reality of union that goes beyond our ability to describe it. Lord, what an inexhaustible mystery it is. And today we continue to step into the reality of that mystery by looking unto you, the author and finisher of our faith, the healer of our bodies, the salvation of our souls, the life giver into our spirits. Today, Jesus be glorified in everything that we say and do in this moment together. Father, I pray that there would be an agreement, a unity in our hearts, Lord, that we just simply say amen to everything that you have for us. Thanks, Jesus, for everything. We praise you. Amen. Amen. Last week, we talked about uh, Jesus himself being the pattern that we walk in. The holiness, righteousness, perfection, and before God. We mentioned John chapter 5, verse 19, where Jesus says, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. We realize that Jesus, as a man stepping into flesh, God, the incarnation of God into humanity, in the form of Christ, took on a body and remains in a body today. It's important to understand this, that there's a man in heaven. There's a human being in heaven. You don't just shed this body and just become some some whiff, uh, whiff of smoke or, or some sort of a puff of dust just floating around in, in the the, uh, the the limitless cloud of nothingness that is uh, heaven. That's not what heaven is. Heaven is a place of interaction, a place of processing and learning and unlearning and growing and, and the beautiful reality of his world that goes beyond our ability to even imagine it. 
it, it makes us more of who we are than we've ever been before. So don't just think that eternity is just you uh, settling into nothingness. Uh, you know, as uh, St. Macarius in the third century said, Peter is still Peter and Paul is still Paul and all are plunged into light and fire. Uh, in other words, taking on the properties of the consuming fire of the love of God, uh, but not losing anything of ourselves, but becoming truly who we've always been. And so uh, there is a man in heaven in Christ, John saw him in Revelation, recognized him, fell down at his feet. He has feet. How about that? He has eyes, flames of fire. He speaks with a mouth. There's a man in heaven. When you're in heaven, you will be in a body. That's why we talk about glorified bodies. Uh, Paul said of this earthly body, outwardly we're wasting away, inwardly we're being renewed day by day. The shell that you're wearing right now is not the authentic real you. And and as it, along with this earth, ages, decays, and 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 uh, settles into a, a, a what we would call aging inwardly, you can become younger and younger every single day to the point where that childlike wonder and awareness of the goodness of God suddenly wins out over the entire uh, deteriorating aging process. I think I wonder how po- if it's possible to you know renew the youth of these bodies into perpetuity. You know, uh, I think Enoch, you know, is an example of this. He walked with God and uh, simply was translated, as the scripture says. In other words, he just moved from one realm to another realm and did not see death, as the Bible says. Uh, Elijah's the same way. He went up in a, in a, a whirlwind. God caught him up into heaven. And so uh, Enoch and Elijah are two examples of people who who walked in this earth and just stepped from one realm into another and apparently carried their bodies with them and, uh, and, and just took on the glory that, that is already there. You know, if death is anything, it's just shedding everything about you that uh, uh, hides the glory of the truth of who you really are. Jesus on the Mount Transfiguration, like I said this a couple of weeks ago, he didn't, he didn't change before them. He only was revealed in their eyes for, for what was always there because he was always glorious. He didn't become glorious when he got to the mountain. Uh, his glory was just manifest. It was revealed. It was there. Uh, they just couldn't see it. And can you see the glory that is upon you? What Jesus said, Father, the glory you gave me, I gave to them. It's John 17, the same exact glory that caused Jesus to be able to glow on the Mount of Transfiguration, the glorified uh, being of his, even his physical flesh or his spirit uh, uh, literally manifests the glory of God upon his body. That reality of glory that Jesus carried, same exact glory. He says, Father, the glory you've given me, I give to them. John 17, 23 bears this out. Uh, this this reality that, that Jesus on the mountain is a revelation of the authentic you, that's a big deal. You, know, you look in the mirror and you see maybe an aging face. You see skin that, that doesn't uh, uh, doesn't look quite as, as uh, youthful as it used to. You see uh, hair that's going gray. I'm I'm shocked. I'm watching the silver show up in my in, uh, in my, on my chin and on my head, and I'm thinking, "Wow, that's amazing!" And you know, the Bible calls that a crown of glory. It basically, means, "Hey, guess what? You've been around a little while, and you've seen some life." And there's something to be said for that. I sat with a veteran yesterday who 
was talking to me about his sons and uh, and his own experiences in in uh, 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 within the context of his family's experiences within the military paled in comparison to being a father watching his sons in battle. Four sons that all went into combat, all came back. Uh, having harrowing experiences, three out of the four of them uh, would would talk about him. The fourth one won't, and uh, and he's, he cried multiple times as he spoke to me of the 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 time on his knees, uh, praying for his sons, interceding for his sons, knowing that they were in harm's way, yet knowing that they were they were doing what they were doing for the sake of love of country and love uh, of of the Lord, going out and and giving their lives for the sake of of someone else's freedom. Greater love has no man than this, than he lay down his life for his friends. The father told me, he says, uh, spoke and said, said he met one of his son's friends uh, who was in his, his uh, company. And the friend said, uh, your son saved my life twice. And the son had never told the story. He says, your son saved my life twice. He says, I'll tell you one of the stories. He says, uh, we were taking heavy fire and he said, and your son threw himself down, his body down to shield me because he was, he was my superior officer. And he threw himself down to shield me in this moment as bullets were flying all around us and hitting the ground near us. And uh, he says, you know, in that moment, he would have taken a bullet for me. And he says, you know, you just never get over that. The reality that someone would give their life for you. And it does something to you. I tell you that if you ever just stopped and pondered the reality that that God in Christ saw our humanity, saw our sinfulness, saw our transgressions, all of our iniquity, pick whatever word you want for the badness, the sin in our lives, the darkness in our lives. The Bible says, while we were dead in our trespasses and sins, he made us alive together with him for by grace we have been saved. Ephesians 2 speaks of this in such beautiful detail. And this purpose, for this purpose, it says, so that in the ages to come, he might show us the surpassing riches of his grace. It's not that in the ages to come, he's going to you know, drop the hammer on us and show us how bad he can be. It's not in the ages to come, he's just going to go ahead and wipe out everybody that voted differently than you. He told us to love our enemies. What do you think he's going to do with his? The reality is, is, even in our worst moment, God stepped in front of our accusers, the ones with the hammers and the nails, and he took the nail for us and took, not just took our place, kicked down the gates of hell to take captives and prisoners home, to take us into place of freedom, and then binds Satan in his own chains of lies, deceit, and craftiness. And ultimately, sin, death, hell, the devil are all a temporal thing that will someday be completely done away with, cast into a lake of fire from where there is no returning. It's created not to consume you, but to consume evil not to consume the image and likeness of God, but to reveal the image and likeness of God that is so much love that anything that is contrary to love cannot stand. Imagine such a love that completely annihilates everything else so that it no longer has sway or has influence within the world. The Bible talks about that Jesus 
as the son of man, God in the flesh. He said he could do nothing of himself. What was he saying? That he was incapable of operating in power? Sure, as long as he operated independently. Just like you and I, if we try to do life by ourselves, we find ourselves in a powerless and weakened position. Have you ever felt helpless and hopeless? Oh, listen, I think that father who was praying for his sons in the military felt helpless and he felt hopeless. And somebody asked him, he said, somebody asked me one day, do you worry? And he says, no, because worry accomplishes nothing but prayer, uniting with God, an agreement that accomplishes everything. It doesn't mean that you don't have concern, but if your concerns can only lead you to worry, they lead you into a place of weakness. Can I tell you something though? You have concerns, what do you do? You carry those to the Lord. And what does he do? Reveals his heart to you. He sits with you in the middle of the deepest, darkest circumstances. He finds you in the valley of the shadow of death, but he finds you there not to leave you there, but to lead you out. He doesn't leave you, he leads you. Jesus, the son of man, could do nothing of himself. And then he says this, but only what I see the father do. Jesus is our example of how to do life. We keep our eyes on him. We live in a face-to-face encounter with God. He said, but I can't see the father. How do I see the father? Listen, turn your heart of affection towards simply this, being a son, being a daughter, being a child. Reference yourself, regard yourself as a child of a father. Picture yourself seated on the throne with the Father, as if the Father has invited you to sit with him. That's biblical. It's Revelation 3.21. To him who overcomes, I'll grant you to sit with me on my throne as I sat with my Father on his throne. You belong on the throne with the Father in Christ. You have a seat at the table. It's Jesus' story of the great banquet. Get everybody on the highways and hedges, tell them to come in. Even somebody's living in a bush. My goodness. Somebody who's just out walking the highway. They're living on the streets. Get them to come in. That is the lowliest of the lowly. You have a seat at the table. Picture yourself. Pray it when you pray. Just close your eyes for a moment. Picture yourself at the table with the Father. See the Father's loving eyes. Recognize that everything that's been set before you has been prepared for you. You don't have to fix any of it. It's all been prepared for you. He's here to feed you, nourish you, clothe you, strengthen you, heal you, bring you into wholeness. But most importantly, around the table, share the family stories. Tell you about who he is, what he's like. Talk about what it's like to be in this collective family of God. What does the kingdom of God even mean? So it goes beyond comprehension, but it's goodness beyond what you and I can even begin to understand. To receive that goodness by faith, by grace, through faith, we just simply say, Jesus, we just receive it. We thank you for giving us a seat at the table. You know, thanking him for something before you even see the reality of it is one of the ways that we begin to get our spiritual eyes open. You know, it's saying, Jesus, I thank you that you have provided for me a seat at the table. Father, I thank you that you have invited me to be seated on the throne with you. Teach me what it means to sit at your table. Teach me what it means to be seated on your throne. And then take some time to listen. Let his Holy Spirit begin to speak things to your heart. Ideas may come in the form of scripture. They may come in the form of personal words that just encourage you to think differently and see differently. If you're willing to learn, he will teach you. And you know, in this process of teaching, people can change. What do I mean by that? You know, it's possible to change. I'll prove it to you. Another word for change is the process of improving. 
Whenever you are uh, learning something, whenever you're learning something, you're in the process of improving. Another phrase for learning, I should say, is the process of improving. So whenever you're learning something, you are in this improving process. I want to repeat this until it just kind of gets into your spirit. You know, you learn something you didn't know before. You have just improved in knowledge and understanding, in ability, maybe even in skill. Every time you learn, you are in the process of improving. Now, if you can improve, then you can transform. If you can transform, transformation is itself change. So the only time we stop changing is when we stop learning. If you wonder, uh, if you wonder if your husband's changing, is he learning? Does he show the capacity for learning? If he can learn, he can change. Uh, you wonder if your wife is changing. Can she learn? If she can learn, she can show the capacity for change. You wonder if your kids are changing. Can they learn? If they're learning, they can change. If they demonstrate the heart of a student, then they are in the process of changing. Now, hopefully they're changing from glory to glory. I can say a lot of our modern liberal arts institutions or colleges transform and change people into something that is very different from what I think what God intended for them. And we can see that in in this day. So take care and heed of what you're learning. If what you're learning brings you into partnership with a spirit of fear or a doubt or unbelief against the things of God, then you're changing and transforming by surrendering yourself to be taught by somebody who doesn't carry the frequency of heaven. And in that change and transformation, it can transform you from blindness to blindness, from darkness to darkness. And we don't want to go backwards in our transformation and changing. Not not all change is good, folks. Not all change is healthy or right or righteous. If in your religious learning you are uh, discovering more and more and more of the goodness of God and it's causing you to unlearn some old thoughts and ideas about the Lord that you grew up with, even if those, those wonderful people in your life gave you those ideas, they gave you the best they knew how to give you. Maybe you're seeing something that, that they never had the time to behold. I think in future generations, God will unfold revelation that goes beyond our ability to even begin to comprehend because they will see things we weren't prepared to see. And, uh, and thank God for that. But when we surrender ourselves to ungodly teachers and unrighteous teachers, then what ends up happening is we find ourselves changing and transforming into something that is less than the glory that God intended for us to carry. We find ourselves more religious, legalistic, and pharisaic than we ever thought we ever could be. So religious and, and, and difficult to be around that we just don't even have any fun anymore. And, uh, and I tell you what, the Lord is fun. He is enjoyable. Uh, you know, take a look at our own lives and realize how many times in our lives we just find ourselves just stuck in laughter over the goofy things that happen. Oh my goodness, my dad was an eternal child into his into his 70s, into his later years. He he was more childlike than ever and looked for opportunities to laugh. Why? Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. And the more you face difficulties in this world, the more strength you need. So when Jesus was doing everything he was doing in this world, he was doing it because he was connected with the heart of the Father. You and I can do nothing unless we're connected with the heart of the Father. In John chapter 5, verse 30, Jesus talks about having no ability to accomplish any eternal purpose unless he just simply sees what the Father is doing. Let me read it for you here. It says, I, this is Jesus speaking, I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous, because I do not seek my own will, 
but the will of the Father who sent me. In John uh, chapter 8, uh, Jesus says of himself, in John eight fifteen, he says, you guys judge according to the flesh. I'm not judging anybody. He said, well, then why does Jesus say he's judging here? Well, what he's doing is he's simply saying, I'm agreeing with the Father. All I'm doing is listening. As I hear, he says, I know that I can make decisions in a righteous manner. You and I don't know what to decide from moment to moment unless we catch the heart of the Father. Otherwise, we're just guessing our way through life. My goodness, who wants to put up with anybody just guessing their way through life? You can't trust people just simply guessing their way through life. They're speaking purely from human wisdom. That human wisdom can come from human experience and can definitely offer you some advice. But it will offer you advice on the basis of what somebody else has experienced, not on the basis of what God has prepared for you. Somebody else's experience perhaps is not meant to be your experience. Can you learn from their experience? Absolutely, and I pray we all do. But the reality is Jesus provides our pattern for how to live in righteousness, godliness, holiness, and in power. And that power and purity that flows from the throne of God, Jesus says, says, I of myself can do nothing. But listen, he wasn't by himself. Colossians 2 says, in Christ, the fullness of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit dwelt in that body. He realized that he lived and walked in union with the Father and the Holy Spirit eternally. You and I have the same privilege of walking in eternal union with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That means no matter what question you're facing or difficulty you're facing, the answer is never far away. From that union with the Father, Jesus says, as I hear, I judge. In other words, all I'm doing is is emphatically enforcing what the Father has already decided. What he already says, I now agree with. God is not up there just making random decisions based upon what you choose. The end from the beginning, Alpha and the Omega, the beginning, the end, the first and the last. He has already made some decisions. What in the world are we doing here? We try to come up with ideas of what are we going to do today? What are we going to do tomorrow? James says it like this. Go to now, you who say tomorrow we will buy or sell or do this or that. Come to the moment that you're standing in right now and recognize God has an answer for this moment right now. Simply ask the Lord, Lord, what is the answer to the question right now? Begin to ask him the question and he'll give you the answer. Otherwise, he'll change the question for you. Sometimes we just don't ask the right questions. He knows, the Bible says he knows what we have need of before we even ask. So he's already provided an answer before we've even asked the question. His solutions are not a response to the dilemmas we create. He's already created the solution before the answer even arose. So when Jesus says, I just listen, I hear. If Jesus heard the Father and guided him through life, to the salvation of humanity and the restoration, reconciliation of us back to the Father, and we've been given the exact same ministry, then the only way we can accomplish our ministry is by hearing the voice of the Father. And I pray that that's your reality today, that you step into that place of just deeper relationship with God. 
You know, people talk about having a personal relationship with Jesus. Personal just simply means it's between you and God. You're not riding on anybody else's coattails. You're not you're not uh, soaking in somebody else's oil of transformation. You're not borrowing somebody else's oil. You're you're actually able to generate a relationship with God on your own. You know, and to begin that relationship, maybe you've known the Lord for a long time, but you haven't grown in that relationship with God. Here's a way to do it. Just simply see yourself at the table. Say, Father, thank you for the seat at the table. Teach me what it means to feast at your table. And then take time to listen. Picture yourself on the throne with Jesus, with the Father, the Holy Spirit. And just simply pray saying, Father, I thank you that by your grace and your overcoming power, by the blood of the cross, the power of the resurrection, you have invited me to be seated with you in heavenly places. Teach me what it means to live in that authority, to step and walk in that authority, to be seated on the throne with you. And then take time to listen. Let him speak to your heart. Write down, record the things, the impressions that you feel like the Holy Spirit starts to speak to you. Stay grounded and rooted in the scriptures. Always know that with the Holy Spirit present, the word of God can become alive to you. Listen, you can uh, write to us if you if you like to write old-fashioned letters. You can write to us at Faith Mountain Ministries, Box 595, Marshall, Minnesota, 56258. Uh, you can also jump online at BillVanderbush.com and listen to this broadcast or podcast again. Subscribe to the Faith Mountain Ministries podcast or the Bill Vanderbush podcast. And uh, those are updated every single week. Listen, we love you guys so much. Thanks so much for being a part of this broadcast, for being a part of our lives as you welcome us in to be a part of your life. We are all over the nation this summer and this fall. Check out the schedule at BillVanderbush.com. And if we're in your area, please come and say hi. Till next time, may the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all.